This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America in Houston, Texas. Please join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. for Holy Communion, and visit us on the web at holytrinityrec.org. Enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. David had more success than all the servants of Saul. As you saw last week with the first half of 1 Samuel chapter 18, Saul was extremely wary of David. Saul felt threatened by this young shepherd boy who had just defeated the mighty Goliath. Our reading today shows this emotion of Saul continued to darken. He was spiraling out of control into more and more darkness due to his wounded pride. Under his very nose, David thrived no matter the obstacles and the tests he faced. God was David's strength. David remained faithful to God alone, knowing he would work in his timing. And as read in the psalm this morning in verses 12 and 13, seeing this in the life of David himself, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like the cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. David lived under the protective grace of God. As verse 25 of the epistle today stated, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. David exhibited this not only here in this early part of his life, but throughout his reign as king. Today, let us continue to learn from the example of David, applying his living by God's mercy and grace and obedience, no matter what our lives look like. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 17 states, Then Saul said to David, Here is my elder daughter Merib. I will give her to you for a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, Let not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. David replied to this with humility, Who am I? David's reply speaks volumes in the face of, of Saul's insidious plans for evil. Even though Saul had openly tried to kill David with his own spear, he offered here sort of an olive branch to marry into his family. As with Joseph in the history of God's people and centuries earlier, what man intended for evil, God turned out for the good of the entire nation. Saul, in this opening verse, cloaked his evil intent with the statement to be valiant for him, to fight the Lord's battles. Through all of this intent for evil, David obeyed not Saul, but ultimately God. The mandate, as we have examined for Israel, was to subdue the enemies of God still in the promised land. Our roles, as we all know, are similar as Christians, to subdue all in the power of Christ by obedience in proclaiming his gospel. Sometimes we will encounter evil intent from our enemies, just as David encountered from his. 
The matter for us is to keep in step with the Spirit through God's Word, ordering our very words and steps. We continue to fight the Lord's battles through the spiritual warfare He places in our lives, confronting sinners with the gospel. Yet as with David, the waging of such is not how this world fights and not with the weapons this world uses. The lusts of the flesh is listed in the epistle today. It is by the Holy Spirit that we fight, constantly cultivating in us through our obedience the fruit of the Spirit to the benefit of others. Yes, David did everything asked of him by Saul, yet with the godly intent on David's part to subdue the enemies of God and his people. Often, the way of the cross, or the, the way of the cross intends for us, the way of this world, when it encounters us, wants us to fold up. They want us to cower. And its evil intent towards us, just as Saul towards David, they want us to stop doing what is right, what we know is right. As long as all we do is to move forward in the goal mandated by Christ through his word and law, we will flourish spiritually. The point is to be ever moving forward in his love, by his will. Sometimes, though, in our trying circumstances, we can question what is occurring around us to the point we can become paralyzed through inaction. This is the enemy of our soul at work. The point is to keep in step with the Spirit, with the Word of God, with the law of God, actively saying and doing as we ought. All in our power to control is how we respond and act as believers in the midst of our circumstances. We cannot control what others say and do against us, just as David could not control Saul. We only can do all that God has placed in front of us through prayer, love, and grace, by his help. After it turned out that the firstborn daughter of Saul was given to another man in marriage, it's revealed that Saul's daughter, Mechel, loved David and told Saul, which pleased the king. Saul thus required, since David was not wealthy, to slay 100 Philistines in battle and to bring back the proof, 100 foreskins from the Philistines. Saul's evil intent again is seen with these closing words in verse 25. Now Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. David, as we read, agreed to this. Before the time expired, he and his men killed 200 Philistines and brought back what Saul required. What Saul intended for evil with the hope of this requirement causing his enemy to fall in battle, God used to further David's standing in the hearts of the people of God. Everything Saul tried to do to this point in time to get rid of the anointed of God ended in failure. In verse 29, we read, Saul was even more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. As we saw in chapter 17 with the enemy and the person of the giant warrior Goliath, Saul here was placing himself now in the same position of the, Fer of the Philistines in relation to David and really to the people of God. Saul was exhibiting the list of the works of the flesh, as we read today in Galatians chapter 5. He was now acting on behalf of the serpent of old, trying to kill the godly seed. 
He showed enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, and envy toward David. How must we reply to people in our lives that exhibit the works of the flesh toward us? First, as with David, the key is humility and knowing we too are prone to sin in all the areas of the works of the flesh, that we need God's constant grace and mercy. Yet the difference between Saul and David, as well as when we face people leveling the works of the flesh against us, is that those that are sold out to these works refuse to repent, while those in Christ make it a practice to repent. The temptation when facing a soul in life is to counter their works of the flesh leveled against us with the works of the flesh of our own against them, sin with sin. This is tempting because it is much easier for the sinful act, flesh to act in these ways, especially in a spirit of vengeance. Yes, we are called to judge as Christians only in terms of calling sin what it is, sin, and calling those in sin out of their sin, with the offer to repent to Christ, to turn to him. We are not, though, called to judge others in a worldly manner through applying worldly methods in our judgment. Often when Christians say they are not to judge, they rightly do so from the intent to judge to not judge those sinning through worldly methods, through the works of the flesh themselves. Yet we are called to judge in the sense of applying God's word to everyone, to every situation, to be a beacon of light to everyone, even if it offends. As Matthew 15, 12 states, after Jesus told the people, it is not what grows that goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes from the mouth that defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? See, we are called to present the gospel, which is a stumbling block to the Jew, which is foolishness to the Greek. Those hell-bent in their sins will see everything we say in the defense of the gospel, and the presentation of the gospel as offensive, even if it is the simple gospel mandate to call out sinners to repent of their sins, just as we repent when sins are exposed in our lives. It is just as sinful to not call people to turn from their sins to Christ as it is to respond to sin against others with our own sin. The call is to continue the good fight in Christ alone by humility, not a false humility that refuses to call sinners to Christ, but a humility willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel to reach the lost with the proclamation of his gospel. It is hard, it is word, it is his word at work when we preach this gospel. It is not our words. We are reminded of how his word works with the following in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul, of spirit, of joints, and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Such a process is not pleasant. It's not pleasant on the sinner being turned to Christ. We do not like to give up our sins easily. This is why love, peace, gentleness, and respect are necessary from Christians when they preach the gospel. 
The end of our chapter in verse 30 states, Then the commanders of the Philistines came out to battle, and as often as they came out, David had more success than all the servants of David, so that his name was highly esteemed. As Saul was, as Saul was doing to get rid of David, was falling, was failing. All David did in obedience to Saul through obeying God to clear the land of their enemies was prospering. David was being prepared by God to be a warrior king for his people. He was being prepared to eventually take the throne and to subdue all the enemies left in the land under the feet of God. Jesus does the same with us as the church. The battle for whether or not we will reply with obedience to do this through submitting to his word, through keeping in step with the spirit is real. It's daily for all of us. We always run the danger of using the weapons of this world to employ sinful judgment through using the works of the flesh with the veneer of Christianity. It's also dangerous in reacting to elements of the church that do use the works of the flesh to fight enemies to the point we decide to hide in silence in the face of blatant sin. The path given us in Jesus, in Christ, is through his grace and mercy alone, the narrow path. He cultivates, see, the fruit of the Spirit in all of us, not for the benefit of self, but for the benefit of others. Yes, even in dealing with the lost. See, the fruit of the Spirit is not an excuse to go inward, ceasing to preach the word in and out of season. It is not an excuse to stop discerning evil from good, to then call sin out, through a loving call to repent and live. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are the needed ingredients when we have to judge between what is good and what is evil, of the demeanor of our own hearts when we confront sin. See, Jesus was accused of hanging out with sinners by the Pharisees, Yet too often people see this as an excuse to hang out with sinners in a neutral mode. Not sinning, yet not calling sinners to repent. See, Jesus was far from neutral when eating and dining with the sinners. He called them to life in him through repentance continually. Matthew 7, 1 through, 1 through 2 states, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, you will be measured to you. Our call, just as with David, was ever to move forward with the command of God to expand. For David, it was physically contending against their enemies. For us, it is to confront sin with the gospel. Yes, ultimately, he is the judge of the living and the dead. We are called, though, to judge through humility, patience, and his love through proclaiming the gospel to all. We do not get to, to determine the recipients. God determines the recipients and has given us the list of the recipients, the people he places in our lives, every single one of them. No matter what occurs around us, let us remain steadfast in Christ to proclaim his gospel to all sorts and conditions of men. David sought to do God's will even in unfavorable circumstances with the king trying to have him killed. 
We too face enemies at every turn that try to knock us off our course from obeying the Great Commission. Let us rest in Christ through submitting to his work, through the Spirit, to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit for the benefit of all, preparing all of us to preach the gospel for his sake. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, give unto us the increase of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain that which thou dost promise. Make us to love that which thou dost command through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.